Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who he's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. In light of everything going on present day and what we are being faced with, um, if you are keenly aware spiritually or discerning, like we talked about last week, then I'm sure you can pick up on the fact that we are definitely engaging in spiritual warfare at this point. Now, you know, for those that may not know exactly what that means, some people are a little bit more, you know, Mm well-versed in in Bible scriptures, terminology, you know, all that stuff. But for those of you that don't, spiritual warfare is something that we're experiencing where, you know, we know there's a natural world, but there is most assuredly a spiritual world that is way more real than what we are experiencing now. And so there are things going on in the spirit realm that are working against us and causing us to not be able to fully walk into what we're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. what we're supposed to be accomplishing in the earth and what is going on in the earth, what we're being faced with, challenges that we're being faced with. You know, a lot of times we think we're dealing with actual people or we think we're dealing with situations that Mm -hmm. are isolated, Mm -hmm. but it's so much bigger and broader. And and so I think the purpose of this series is I think it culminates to the point of us focusing on spiritual warfare and how we are to properly engage in spiritual warfare. But in order for us to get to that place we thought it would be befitting to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. and deal with who we are, deal with our identity in Mm -hmm. Christ. Because if you think about it, when you have two sides that are opposing, engaging in warfare, it's through the identification of one side from the other that we get the warfare. In other words, one country identifies the other country through their uniform, through, you know, their language, through whatever they do to identify, oh, that's an enemy. Mm -hmm. So now we need to engage in warfare because that's an opposing side. So when we take on the identity of Christ, we now become the enemy Mm -hmm. to the enemy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are now on opposing sides. So once we come into the realization and the revelation of salvation and we accept that, and we take on the identity of Christ, we now are on the opposing side to Satan Mm -hmm. and the world system and everything that goes along with it. So that's what we mean when we say we're engaging in spiritual warfare. So because we're in a spiritual warfare and it's not natural, we can't just load up a gun and start shooting because we're not dealing with an actual physical target. Mm -hmm. So we have to now fight spiritually. Mm -hmm. But again, because that's at the end of the book of Ephesians, we thought, well, rather than just dealing with this isolated thought, why don't we take a trip through Ephesians and deal with the identity that comes through Christ, the unity, his grace, Mm -hmm. the unity 
that we all as the body of Christ should be walking into and embracing. Mm -hmm. And because even when you think of warfare, it's not a bunch of individual people fighting right. the way they think they should be it's fighting. Yeah. Right. There's a strategic mm -hmm. uh, setup and it's a unified body. It's a unit. It's an army. It's it's or the Navy or whatever section of the military, but it's one body. So I think that's the focus as we lead up to the culmination, which will be dealing with spiritual warfare and how we need to suit up and the armor that we need to put on in order to be able to fight what we're actually fighting. What we're actually fighting. See, <coughs> so, so th there goes the, um, the introduction. And today begins our new series called Identity Crisis. Many of us can relate to trying to figure out that dichotomy between who you're supposed to be and who you feel like you should be, right? Um, when you think about the whole notion of purpose and coming into what God has called us to be, it can be very overwhelming and very confusing. So the first thing that I think is important for us to understand is that God's purpose is already in us. We must understand if God has you breathing on this earth and he allowed you to come through the birth canal, he's the creator of all. He created you. He has put a divine purpose inside of you already. Our job is to open up ourselves to this reality by drawing ourselves closer to God. And as we come closer to God, the purpose that he's put inside of us will become more evident. Also, I think making sure we definitely emphasize that it's who am I once I come into Christ? Absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, some of us, we were once somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that person you may have known very well. You may have been acquainted with. But it's once you come into the newness of Christ... Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Mm -hmm. So that means once you're in Christ, now you're new. So it's it's the question of then what now what right. now that I'm new? Right. Who am I? Because I was I'm not who I used to be. I'm not the old person. So that means now that there's a new identity being forged. Mm -hmm. So th this is what we're dealing with and mm -hmm. emphasizing that it's because of Christ that we have the identity. And absolutely right. So this is the gist of, of Ephesians. Ephesus was a metropolitan city um, back in these ancient times where they had the industry, they have the main streets where people trade. You got all this other stuff going on. Ephesus was this type of place. And Christianity had become a movement. The early church had, had started to get momentum. So for those of us who don't know, back then, and when you look at the Bible and you read some of these chapters and these epistles, you'll see the dichotomy between two classes, so to speak. So there's going to be Jews and there's going to be Gentiles, right? So the point is the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ first came to the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. So that's the difference between Jews and Gentiles. So what happens is Christianity is being spread and there's several events that happen in the spreading of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ that causes those who propagate Christianity to see that it's not just about this one class of people. God really cares about everybody. The revelation of the gospel is not just for Jews, it's for everybody. But what was happening in Ephesus at this time was there was contention between the Jews and the Gentiles of this particular region, right? Because the Jews were feeling like, uh, you know what, this was really for us. 
Um, we have a special entitlement to this. Um, it was, and you can equate it to the people who are like church folks, you know, the people who've been always, this is what's for us. We've been in church all our lives. We've been saved all our lives. This is our thing. You know, um, y'all, y'all newcomers don't know what's going on. And, and what was happening was there was this, these, they were at odds, the Jews and the Gentiles of the area were at odds. Now, Ephesus was the majority of Ephesus was Gentile at this time. So the Jewish numbers there were quite as large. So the prevailing religions in those areas were polytheistic, basically meaning they worshiped other gods. They worshiped Greek gods. They worshiped all these other things. And magic and all this other stuff was really popular in this area at this time. So here comes Paul preaching this message of Jesus Christ that talks about caring for the poor, that talks about one God, that talks about loving each other, that talks about social justice, that talks about all these other things. And Paul's bringing this message that's now saying, no, 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 this disparity stuff, level it. Yeah. I, I was going to add that it, this just highlights the fact that there really is nothing new under the sun. Because yeah, it sounds, sounds familiar. It, right? the, what you just described is exactly what we deal with today. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the world and the society that we are immersed in is exactly the same, yeah. where you've got all kinds of things going on and there is such an opposing mm -hmm. force between that and what Paul presented. Absolutely what. right. Absolutely right. And I think that's why it's so important, like the study in this, this particular book and pulling out the nuggets from this book to apply it to our lives today, I think it's so relevant because these are things that are happening right now. And how do we learn who we are in this climate, right? So here comes this gospel message, this good news message that's both polarizing and unifying, right? So now we got this gospel of peace, this gospel that, you know, there's a Messiah who has come that, you know, our obligation is to each other, but not only just to each other, but to a supreme God who is higher than any other God. So that causes conflict with people because now it's like, wait, hold on a second. So you're saying that Zeus is not the God that I'm, no, you, no, 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 no. You can imagine how controversial things begin to get as more and more people start to gravitate to this gospel of peace, this gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is what the backstory behind Ephesians is. So Paul coming into this um, hostile environment begins to try to show these people that, listen, the mystery of the gospel is that it's not just about the church. The mystery of the gospel is the fact that God loves Jews and God loves Gentiles. And God wants us to be unified because in essence, when you're a new creature, all that's saying is to God, he's created a new race. So a Christian is a new race in a, in a mindset that it has nothing to do with black, white, has nothing to do with, with, with gender, has nothing to do with none of that extras, none of that stuff that would distinguish us. What's most important to God is that we come together and experience the grace by which Christ died. In the beginning of Ephesians, Paul's attempt is to try to encourage us to look at our identity, not from what we deem as identifiable. So not looking at yourself as a Jew, not looking at yourself as a Gentile, but looking at yourself as a child of God, a new creature, old things pass away, all things become new. And he concentrates on the fact that you didn't earn that, it is just and most simply an act of God's grace. And that statement right there, it's so powerful because what it does is level the playing field. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, like I think you mentioned it or kind of touched on it in the beginning, how like you can grow up 
and see church people and see people that are in church and you can look at them and go, I could never yeah. amount to that. Right. Or I could, I, we're, we're so different. Right. And, you know, you, you got some people that are in church and they feel like they're superior or better mm-hmm. or, you know, they're um, more righteous. Mm-hmm. And so you've got you these opposing sides and you can't meet in the middle and, and the, the ones in the world don't want to come inside right. and the ones in the church don't want to come outside and come together and, and say, listen, I was once where you were, exactly. come over here. Exactly. And, and the ones in the, in the world are going, they don't want to go, I need help. I know what I'm doing ain't working, but I don't really know what to do. Right. Can you help me? So we've got these two sides that are just not coming in the middle. But now what this does is level the playing field. Mm-hmm. So now it goes, now we can go, oh, we're all the same. Yep. Like that there's no difference between the ones in the church and the ones outside of the church, mm-hmm. except for Christ. Exactly. The Christ is the unifying, fa- or the Christ. Christ. The, Christ. <laughs> the anointed one. Christ yes. is the unifying factor mm-hmm. that brings everybody together. And Absolutely. it's only through him. And this is why it is a powerful scripture in here that, that it says that we are saved by grace through faith so that nobody can brag. So basically what it's saying is all y'all who's bragging like you got it all together. Oh, yeah, I've been saved all my life. I've been in church all my life. I've been living with Jesus forever. And all that lofty, I know we've heard it before. All that lofty stuff is actually pride and actually um, a create, it creates contention between people who are trying to apprehend Christ. Right. And and many of you can probably attest to the fact that, you know, we've experienced that and it can be very off putting at the fact that Christ is opening his arms to invite us to come as we are for him to change us. Right. He become as we are not to stay as we are. We come as we are so that we can be changed, but not changed by people, changed by Jesus. Right. But that's a work of grace, though. Like it's, it's, it's God's grace that all of us are a mess. All of us are hot mess. All of us have problems. We say this to you before. Listen, God just sent us first, but we're just as human as every single one of you. Yeah. And we have problems and issues and fears and anxieties and doubts just like everybody else. But the commission causes us to put our faith in God so that we might be able to lead someone. But we're following someone greater. And I think that's really what this book is about and what at least the opening chapters kind of focus on the fact that this is a work of grace. Because the truth is, yes, the gospel came to the Jews first, but it was still a gift to the Jews. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of times when people perceive Christianity or they perceive living for God, it's a life of of bondage. It's a life of a list of things that you can't do. It's a life of not being able to do certain things that um, you feel would gratify you or not being able to uh, experience certain things in life that would bring you joy and pleasure or whatever. When on the contrary, it is the boundaries that create safety, right? So when we use this example before, before, like with the kids, right? Kids feel safe when they know what not to do. Mm-hmm. There's safety when you know what not to do. There's safety when you know that boundaries are set with, with, with your um, capacity in mind, right? So if we tell the kids, don't go on the street because they're a certain age, we, th- that, that rule is set there, taking into consideration their capacity to not understand what the street means. And the dangers that come along with the street. Exactly. Because us explaining 
a car, a truck or whatever, the two lanes in the street, the median in the line, looking both ways. You might be immature. You might not know what that means. So we can't tell our five year old. Okay, listen, there's a median here. This is what you're going to do. Look at the man walking and you know, you can walk that with, with the distractions, with all that stuff from a five year old's mind. The safest boundary is don't go in the street or wait for me, hold my hand and let's go when we go. So, so a lot of times we don't understand um, the, the boundaries of God and the things that God is trying to protect us from because we're not in a place to see it from his perspective. So sometimes it's a no, you can't drink. No, you can't do this. No. And some of us who have passed where those were our vices, we understand that that needs to be a hard line because we are predisposed to doing things that's going to overtake us. So saying all that to say, the boundaries in Christianity and the perception that the Christian life has, we must be careful that we don't call it something that it's not intended to be. God wants us to be free, but free in him. And freedom in him is the most free you can be in this life because it takes all of the guesswork, all of the dangers that we don't know about, all of the unseen things that we don't know about. All that stuff is taken into consideration. And it's also God's purpose for you is, is on his mind when he's created these boundaries for each of us. So the gospel of grace, the grace that this is the grace of God that is obtained through faith, faith in Christ Jesus. And it's by his mercies. We often talk about God being merciful. And I kind of think we should park here just so we can kind of paint a picture of God's grace and the power of it. And that if God is perfect, God is holy. God can't lie. God knows everything. God sees everything. He knows our hearts. Our hearts are desperately wicked. We could never know what's in our hearts. God knows what's in our hearts. God knows why we do things. God knows why we don't do things. God knows why we hold on to things. God knows why we're bitter. God knows why we're angry. God knows it all. Okay. It's from a holy perspective because God is so holy. He cannot physically stand sinfulness because of his holiness. That's how pure he is. Yet he wants a relationship with us. Enter Jesus. God's wrath has to be satisfied on sin because sin is compulsive. Right? The Bible tells us in Romans, you think about doing the right thing, you end up doing the wrong thing. You think about doing the right thing, you fall into doing the wrong thing. And it's this constant struggle of trying to do the right thing. For years and years and years and years, mankind has always tried to do the right thing. But because we have sinful nature, we can't do the right thing without God's help. So Jesus, God, sends his son who comes in the form of man, a flesh, fully God, fully man, and satisfies God's requirement for sin to be eradicated so that we might have a relationship with God. This is why Jesus is so important, because God has created a formula where if you put your faith in Christ, when God comes down to judge, he sees Christ and not you. So basically, Christ intercedes between us and God so that our righteousness is not being considered anymore. It is the righteousness of God. And all of that happens through faith in Christ. The grace to have a relationship with God is unlocked because of a relationship 
with Christ and putting faith in Christ. This is a gift of God that no one can brag about. That's the gospel. So the life that we live, the struggling that we're doing, all this other stuff, we have Christ to help us live this life that's pleasing to God. And when we fall, turn to Christ. Lord, help me. I repent. I turn away from this. This is not something that's pleasing to you. Help me to live right. Help me to do right. And it's a constant relationship and constant communication with God until that newness of character becomes evident. And now you're beginning to walk out those things that God has called you to do, because now that identity in Christ is being formed in you and now becoming evident to the world. This is a key scripture here that that I, I, I would hope that we would commit to meditation as we explore this book and as we go through this identity crisis series. It's Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. For by grace you have been saved through faith and is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Watch this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think this verse encapsulates the overall message of where we're going, even in this year, as we are focusing on God, what am I here for? God, what is my purpose? What is my purpose in you? What is my purpose in my family? What is my purpose on this earth? Why am I still breathing? What, what, what do you have me here for? What have you put deep inside me before I was even a thought in my mother, my father's mind? What am I here for? And who am I? And who am I? But like you said before, not so much who am I in reference of who I think I should be. Right. But who am I from your point of view? Right. Who did you design me to be? Because the Bible is telling us in this work, in this, in this verse here that we were created in Christ for good works before we even realized it. So it, once you connect with Christ, the good works that the Lord has put you in this earth to do are already in motion. We just have to be able to connect with it. Mm. So this is not something that, okay, now God is starting from scratch. I'm a new creature. So, okay. The Bible says all things are passed away. Behold, that means right now all things have become new. So that's like a future kind of progressive term there. It has become new while you're walking into it. So as you're walking into God's purpose, it's becoming new as you're becoming new, but it's already been revealed in Christ. So a lot of us are playing catch up now because... You know, as we come into Christ, his future was already in the plan for us. So this is the gist of of of, of what we're um, kind of talk about. Um, and so next week, I think we will focus on the whole identity part a little more and the whole unity part and how important unity is. Unity is, is, is strange in that unity can be uh, powerful in a good way or a bad way. Right. All unity needs is the right goal, <laughs> the right person to hate. Um, the right issue to be upset about, the right issue to be uh, frustrated about, the right issue to care about. You know, unity is just um, the ability to come together, uh, focusing on a goal that both parties deem valuable. And also through unity, there is an identity that's found. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an identification that takes place. I think about my mom, who is shout out to my mom, <laughs> um, who is a. Uh, Delta. She's a Delta Sigma Theta. And 
that's an organization that is comprised of a bunch of uh, different like-minded individuals that have pledged to uh, be bound to this organization and, mm-hmm. and, and they subscribe to their, their, their thoughts and their ideologies and their, their, um, standards or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, they, they are like-minded and part of her identity is in saying that I'm a Delta. She mm-hmm. has, she claims it. She claims it. Mm-hmm. It's part of who she is because she has joined forces with that organization now that's a very surface example that's good now we have something thank you mm-hmm. we have something so much deeper in the sense that we have the opportunity to join together with an eternal family mm-hmm. like the, the 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 bond that we share really goes deeper than our familial bonds, mm-hmm. you know, with our siblings and with our, because we are spiritual beings and our spirits are eternal. Mm-hmm. And so after this earthly experience, we go on to something far greater and it's eternal. Yeah. So our eternal bond and the, 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 the bond that we share with our eternal family is far deeper and far greater and lasting so our identity comes in the fact that we are all a part of this one body this one unit this one family yeah so who are we we are a part of that's that's a that's our identity that's powerful man is who we are connected to yeah and so i think you know keeping that in mind and and in the focus when we are embracing who we are is because of who we're connected to and mm-hmm. who we are bound to. And, and it's, it's, it's my prayer that even as we grow um, in this particular community amongst each other, that, that we see ourselves in that way too, you know, that we see ourselves as one body uh, with the blood of Jesus, like, like that one blood running through us, that, that when, it, when you hurt, I hurt. You know, when you're sad, I'm sad. When you're ecstatic and excited and, and, and encouraged, so am I. And if you're not, I'm going to pick you up. Because at the end of the day, the, it's a trick of the devil to cause all of these um, divides, you know, cultural divides, racial divides, you know, socio, socio, socioeconomic divides, all these things. And we're living in a, in, a, in a society now that's charged with division, Right. Like it's political division, left and right, and this and that. Do this, do this and do that. No, who's not doing this and who's not doing that? Divide and, and conquer. That's really what it is. And that's the attempt of the devil to cause division and to cause us to be thinking about, thinking that way. Thinking black and white. Thinking um, um, rich and poor. Thinking all this stuff. So this, was, this is really what this, this, this series and this chapter is about. That though I may be from the opposite side of the fence... Though I may be uh, up one day, down one day, though I may be, um, uh, and like, right, it's all distractions. It's all distractions. Race, all this other stuff, it's distractions. And what God is calling us to do is to see ourselves as one body in him, unified by the fact that all of us need Jesus and ain't none of us got nothing right without him. We are all broken. We are all human. The gospel levels the playing field and that all of us humanly do the same things. All of us have to go to the bathroom. All of us have to eat. All of us have to sleep. 
all the other stuff that separate us. I mean, how, how much, all of us have a heartbeat. All of us ha- are one breath away from not seeing tomorrow. All, all of us are one dollar away or, or one event away from becoming homeless and poor. No, I was going to say, and it, it matters not whether or not you were born in it and you exactly. are very well accustomed to the traditions, which Paul was. He was a Jew that was very uh, um, yep. knowledgeable mm-hmm. and learned, very aware of the customs of uh, the Jews at that time, which would be equivalent to the church. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it matters not that or whether or not you are somebody that has never stepped foot into an actual church mm-hmm. and you don't know what communion is versus right or the what, sacraments and baptism and you, all that you you have no right. clue what any any of it is it doesn't matter because like i said before the unifying factor is christ and mm-hmm. that's that's what levels the, the playing field and allows everybody from every walk of life which is which was what god intended mm-hmm. from the very beginning mm-hmm. everybody from every walk of life is included in the privilege to come together under him. Amen. Now that does not mean that every walk of life is included without Christ. Right. It's Christ, Christ That's right. that allows all of us together to collectively come together as one body. And it's completely leveled. doesn't yeah. matter if you in the church, uh, born and raised or whether or not you, you didn't know what church was. We all need Christ. There is that need for all of us. Yeah. Born and raised, and I'm a hot mess. It's only through the grace that's afforded to me through Christ. Amen. This is a closing verse. This is uh, Ephesians 2, verse 17. And this kind of sums up what we're saying as we move forward um, in this identity series. It reads, this is an easy to read Bible. Christ came and brought the message of peace to you non-Jews who were far away from God. And he brought that message of peace to those who were near to God. Yes, through Christ, we all have the right to come to the Father in one spirit. If you are listening and you want to give your life to the Lord, it's very easy to do. It's one of the most precious, important and easiest things to do because it's not about deeds and duties. It's about understanding your need for Christ, seeing yourself as frail and weak without God, seeing yourself as sinful as we all are, and that there's no other way to fix the brokenness in my heart besides coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and accepting him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You believe in the story of the gospel. You believe that Jesus is the son of God and that your faith in him will cause you to have right relationship with God. The Bible says you confess that you are saved. And then what that does is the seed of righteousness is inside of you and the sense of community will teach you and help you along the way as far as growing in your relationship with the Lord. Okay, but it's a surrendering of your will and allowing God to make you that new person that to him you already were destined to be. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for meeting us once more, uh, for speaking to us, um, for pouring into us, God. We thank you for this wonderful gift of salvation that you have 
afforded us, that you've given to us this privilege to be able to join with the greatest family of all. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be unified as one body under you, God. We thank you for Christ. Lord, I I ask that as we prepare for this week, that we take with us what we've uh, talked about, what we've heard, God, that you would continue to bring back to our remembrance those things necessary to help us walk this, walk out day by day, God, minute by minute, God. We thank you. We praise you for your grace, God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor, God. And we thank you most of all for your son. Mm. Lord, we pray, God, that uh, whatever needs uh, have been presented to us will be met, God. Look on every person, both said and unsaid. Every family member, God, every every financial need, I pray that you would just meet every need, God, and you would address the needs of your people, oh God. We thank you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We hope you've been blessed by what we shared. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep.